today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Interesting article in the Globe and Mail today. Uh, what Canada's conservatives need to unlearn from Donald Trump. What does that all mean? Let's bring in Michael Tobe, Troy Media syndicated columnist, contributor to the Washington Times, former speechwriter for Stephen Harper, and is with us now. Michael, thank you for the time. I hope you're doing well. I am. Hope you are too, Scott. So do you think, or what will politics look like? Will politics change in a post-Donald Trump era or more of the same? Yeah, I think it will change in a number of ways. Um, Like you, I read the Globe and Mail editorial, and it certainly had some interesting points and some things that I didn't completely agree with, but we can obviously discuss them. But I think it's fair to say that Donald Trump has basically been the figurehead for not what is a movement, because he doesn't actually have a movement, not an ideology, because he doesn't have an ideology, but what has been sort of called Trumpism, which is basically just this big umbrella of ideas that people who either agree with him, have voted with for him, have followed him, believe in. And, you know, and obviously that differs from conservatism, libertarianism, and other forms of ideas on the political right of the spectrum, or on the right side of the political spectrum, which I'm sure we'll get into. But will it change when Trump leaves? Yes, because Trump really is the standard bearer. He is the person who is at the forefront of this, as I said, non-ideology, non-movement, just this thing that basically exists right there. If you remember early on, and we talked about it, and I talked about it with other hosts, both on radio and TV, a lot of people were wondering four years ago, as time went along, whether Trumpism, which is associated with Donald Trump's thought process, would replace conservatism or republicanism in the United States. And unsurprisingly, one, that has not happened, and two, even though there obviously are a lot of Trump supporters who remain in the Republican Party, it's not going to supersede an ideology like conservatism or even libertarianism, which has existed in some cases for decades and others for centuries. So it may sort of walk part and parcel. It may motivate some people for another election or two, But no, I don't think anything major is really going to happen, other than the fact that Donald Trump will leave office, unless something really weird happens in the next few weeks. And once that is done, I think that his ideology will stay with him, but it won't necessarily move into or intercede into the major, the big conservative movement. Will Donald Trump's movement, whatever, momentum, will that continue after the inauguration? Or is that just happening now because he still is where he is, he's still the president, and he's still part of the Republican Party? Oh, no, 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 it will continue, absolutely. There will be people who will try to use or utilize certain components of Trumpism, which is an ele- you know has elements of populist mentality, it has a, sort of an anti-government theme, They'll try to incorporate a lot of those things, and they'll try to press those issues, at least his supporters will, both those who are members of the Republican Party and those on the outside who just believe in those principles. And also, don't forget, if Donald Trump actually does choose to run in 2024, which has been alluded to by people like one of his former advisors, Steve Bannon, and there are others who are currently around him who say that, you know, at this stage he still wants to do it, although four years is obviously a long ways away, The longer he stays in the public eye, that being Donald Trump, the longer his whatever this is exactly, this movement, this this basically this umbrella will continue with him. So whether he is basically just a public figure or he starts a media network or he does something else, it will last as long as he lasts and it will probably last past him as well. You know, looking at sort of books that have been written by Frank Buckley in the past, the historian, 
who also wrote speeches for Mr. Trump, or even certain things that Stephen Harper said in, in his book a number of years ago, um, I think that you will see that Trumpism and populism will still obviously continue to walk hand in hand for a number of years to come. So uh, how will, and we've, I've asked you this question before, Michael, how will the Republican Party move forward with this? Because there's still many of them that are in denial and still defending uh, the president. How does the party move forward from this? Well, you know, look, those are issues that unfortunately a lot of them are going to have to sit down and figure out, and it's not going to be accomplished in a day, a week, a month. It may take years, because there's obviously a lot to not only unpack, there are also certain things to either undo or to continue in certain ways. Like, for example, one thing that Donald Trump has done, which I think that many conservatives will continue, not even just in the United States, but but certainly in Canada and other places, is that Trump has actually reestablished an old tire link that used to exist between certain types of Republicans and workers as well. I think that basically got uh, it basically got removed for the most part in the last few decades. A lot of, for example, during the years of Ronald Reagan, it got removed to some degree. It even started to get removed early on with Barry Goldwater. And although there are conservatives who hold people like Goldwater and Reagan in very high admiration, including myself, at the same time, you have to ensure that the conservative movement, or at least as a philosophy, has a big umbrella or has a big tent philosophy where they will actually capture views and ideas from not necessarily people who walk alongside them, but others who might be attracted to certain things. When you eliminate a whole section of society which is what Trump was talking about when he was referring to the forgotten man, forgotten woman, if you remember the 2016 campaign, those were the people that he was referring to. Not just in the rural areas or the rust belt through Wisconsin, Michigan, and other places, he was also looking at the working class. And that's a philosophy that existed in the Republican Party for a long time. It was mostly associated with liberal-type Republicans or moderate Republicans, but there were Republicans that certainly believed in that. And we've seen conservatives around the world, including Boris Johnson, most recently in the UK in last year's election there, he also utilized that and tried to basically bridge the gap between conservatism and the working class. I think that will certainly continue long past Donald Trump's presidency and long past any other ambitions he may have in the future. But certain, but other components, including the way that Mr. Trump probably, you know, used pretty incendiary language, uh, some tough talk and certain things, and maybe even, you know, some people will sort of look at the way he dealt with the kind of fair trade, free trade, and the way we, the United States works in the world, international relations, or just America's place in the world. I think a lot of those things have to be discussed behind the scenes, whether they're beneficial or whether they were just simply associated with one man, and the Republican Party, by nature and by history, doesn't believe in a lot of that. It certainly hasn't in the past few decades anyway. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. All right, let's talk about Canadian conservatism. Um, We remember when Donald Trump took office, uh, many on the left would start to compare anyone who was on the right to Donald Trump. It's this type of politics. This is what 
you know he means we saw we saw many try to paint Doug Ford with that uh, with that paintbrush and of course he came right out and and said that was not the case and yep. and through and through his actions obviously proved that uh, that he wasn't talk about this headline and obviously you didn't write it but what what do Canada's mm-hmm. conservatives need to unlearn from Donald Trump because at one point this is what took an election now perhaps a different view of this well, I mean, there's not a lot. That's one of the things I disagree with. There's not a lot we have to unlearn because I don't think we learn, quote unquote, all that much. Yeah. Canadian conservatism tended to be fairly separate from Donald Trump's philosophy or ideas. It doesn't mean that we didn't appreciate, like I was talking about, you know, rebuilding the relationship between Republicans and the working class and conservatives, including conservative leader Aaron O'Toole, I'm sure looked at that, appreciated it and will try to integrate it into his own philosophy, but in a different way. But you're right. I mean, and I talked, again, I talked about this with you. I spoke about it with many others as well. I said from the very beginning, and you may remember it, Scott, that Doug Ford had nothing to do with Donald Trump. Not only had he repudiated him years ago, he basically said that while he appreciated some of Trump's populist components, because Doug Ford, part of his ideology is rooted in populism, He always saw himself as something separate. And you're right, the actions of Doug Ford have been completely different than Donald Trump. Only the most ardent left-wing critics of Doug Ford seem to make this association. Most people, you know, obviously people on the right recognize this, and there are a fair number of liberals and some on the political left who do too, recognize that Doug Ford has nothing to do with Donald Trump. And that's not surprising. You know, no matter how many political leaders we put forward, and no matter how many discussions we have, and while there were certainly politicians in Canada who would have liked to have had, in the early days, Donald Trump's appeal, his populist success, etc., you know, you were never going to get a second Trump. I know that obviously Trump supporters will look for somebody like that, but in many ways Donald Trump was an enigma, much like other politicians were enigmas too. Remember how they always used to look for the next Ronald Reagan? Well, guess what? They never found anyone, not because there weren't people who thought the same way as Ronald Reagan. There were some who even improved some of the philosophies of Ronald Reagan, as much as I admire him. But there was not going to be anyone quite like that. For that reason, Canadian conservatives, I think, have always had a separate brand. You know, we accept the fact that there are British conservative links as well as American conservative links. It's kind of a merger of the two philosophies. And for that reason, we've always looked at issues differently, including, you know, the way we look at liberty, democracy, freedom, capitalism, even just the size of government and, you know, the level of taxation. We don't walk and march in lockstep with our American conservative cousins. We respect their ideas. We like their ideas. And in some cases, we appreciate them more, whereas some Canadian conservatives appreciate them a bit less. But overall, we recognize that we are different. So whatever we have to unlearn from Donald Trump, as I said before, we didn't learn, quote unquote, all that much to begin with. So I think the task is much easier than what U.S. Republicans will have to face. Has Donald Trump tainted conservatism? Has he tainted the right? No, absolutely not. He hasn't at all. He's created his own type of brand. As I said, it's not a philosophy, it's not political, but it's his own brand. And look, Donald Trump was always good at that. He established his own brand. His last name was a brand. And up until his presidency, it was, a, it was a fairly successful one. You know, he had his highs and lows. He obviously went bankrupt a couple times. You know, he's had some incredible projects that he's worked on and some huge failures. 
But Trump was a brand, not just from The Apprentice, the TV show. He really was that. You know, and before that reason, Donald Trump is not the same as a Republican. You know my line, you know, he's nothing like a traditional or modern conservative. He's not a Republican in any sense of the word, but he was aligned with the Republican Party. He had some philosophies that aligned with the GOP as well, but he was his own unique brand. Ergo, there is no way that Donald Trump as the president or the philosophy or whatever you want to, or the meaning or whatever you want to say, or movement or whatever's behind him, there's no reason to think that that is going to either supersede conservatism or change it or hurt it or destroy it. None of the above. It seems in the United States that uh, politics is a team sport. Either you're on this side or you're on that side, and you're loyal to that team, uh, you know, all the time. We we talk about you know, and did during the election, swing states and this sort of thing. Whereas mm-hmm. on in Canada, you'll see often a liberal government for some years, and you'll see a conservative, and then it'll go back and forth, back and forth. Mm-hmm. Obviously, more swing or more, more voters in the swing category in a Canada than there is in the United States. How come we seem to be a bit more open to? change and less uh, committed to the team? Well, I mean, you know, in one sense, you also have to consider that the ideology of the two countries are very different as well. I mean, obviously, we've had more liberal governments federally than we've had conservative governments, that being the old progressive conservative party and the current conservative party of Canada. Uh, liberals have basically dominated the federal sphere. It was higher at one time, but obviously during the Stephen Harper years, it narrowed a bit. I think the overall tally is somewhere between 67 to 68% of our political history, we've been run by liberal governments. So we look at politics differently, and also our two countries are just very different as well. You know, we look at the nature of government, we look at the way we basically bring about policy, we look at the types of leaders we have, the different place or positions we have in the world, and also our size. The U.S. is a much more powerful country, whereas Canada is a middle power. We've done well, we punch above our weight, but that's really where we are. So for that reason, it doesn't really surprise me, and I don't think it surprises a lot of people who act as either political commentators, pundits, historians, etc., that, that Canadians don't necessarily support the team, to use your line, as much as, say, the Americans do. You know, again, we don't have this, this stronghold or interest or fascination as much with nationalism and patriotism. It doesn't mean that those, those two components don't exist in Canada. They're just not as strong. Ergo, you're not going to have the commitment or the firm commitment that Americans have to, you know, to party, to leader, to country. We have it to some degree, but it's in a much lighter fashion. So what do conservatives need to do to capture the attention of Canadians? And I'm not confident that they are capturing the attention of younger Canadians. Um, you know, again, we can sit back and look at policy and debate that. But at the end of the day, it seems that, 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 that the prime minister is, is, has a better brand, is just more popular than what an Aaron O'Toole is. Now, obviously, there's the name, the branding, and and the history that goes behind that. O'Toole is, although certainly has lots of tenure in politics, uh, just isn't as well known. But what do Canadian conservatives have to do to create that magnetism that Trudeau has with the Liberals? 
Well, I mean, look, again, Justin Trudeau is also speaking about ideas and philosophies, including the environment, legalization of marijuana and other things that don't necessarily adhere themselves to Canadian conservatism or the conservative brand, if you'd like. So to, to hope for the, to get the young vote and to maintain the young vote or the youth vote is difficult. Now, it doesn't mean it can't be done. You know, there's obviously lots of young people in Canada, for example, who have voted con- for conservative parties or right-wing parties. But I don't think the attachment is quite as strong as, you know, the YAF, the Young America Forum in, in the United States, or basically young Republicans who have obviously worked through party circles in the U.S. and have gone on to succeed and change and improve great things. Here in Canada, the difficulty here, as I said before, because conservatism is not really the dominant ideology in this country, it makes it more difficult for conservatives to obviously resonate with certain groups or certain factions. Plus, as well, you know, conservatism goes through different ways. There hasn't been a lot of a consistent ideological theme. I mean, sure, we believe in smaller government, lower taxes, more freedom, rights and freedoms. We know the whole drill. But the leaders who've been in place have obviously tried to create or basically put their own stamp on their ideas. Stephen Harper, Andrew Scheer, and Aaron O'Toole, for example, all three fine men, all did good things well, all made mistakes, etc., and all, in, in Mr. O'Toole's case, will continue to do so, they obviously have looked at conservatism and party politics, or just Canadian politics in general, all in a different fashion. So sometimes it's generational. Certain generations will obviously resonate with Canadian conservatism, and others will not. Unfortunately, here, one of the problems we have is that Justin Trudeau really is very vapid as a leader. This man is not an intellectual. He's not a policy wonk. He really doesn't represent, you know, he doesn't represent what we have seen in previous prime ministers of this country. And there have been liberals, again, I mentioned them, John Chrétien, Paul Martin, who I would never vote for, but at the same time, I would respect at least as leaders, whereas with Mr. Trudeau, I just don't see that. However, with young people or even with apolitical people, he speaks to them to some degree because he's able to talk amongst, you know, a certain type of class of people. He's able to actually talk in very large, grandiose fashion about certain ideas. And he talks about things that are happy, you know, that mean something to him, but also happen to be in lockstep with the way a lot of left-wing Canadians actually feel. For Aaron O'Toole, the key is that not only does he have to succeed with right-leaning Canadians, he has to bring over some of those centrists, which is something that Justin Trudeau doesn't have to worry quite as much about. A, because his party is on the center, and B, because he fights from the center-left, which is really the tradition or political tradition in this country. So for Aaron O'Toole, basically, it's, it's more of the same of what he's tried to do the past few months, which is to ensure that conservatism acts like a big tent, speaks to people, and creates policies that lots of people can jump into, not just right-leaning Canadians, but Canadians from all across the spectrum. If we get them from coast to coast to coast, that will be a successful political formula in the end. Michael Tobe has been with us, Troy Media syndicated columnist, contributor to the Washington Times, former speechwriter for Stephen Harper. Michael, thank you for the time. Be well. You too. Take care. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.